better sleep means a better you. That's why Mattress Firm came up with the Rest Assured Promise, featuring the best mattresses from America's best mattress brands. Like the Temper Breeze Collection, available now, with a $300 instant gift good towards your choice of sleep accessories. Visit with our sleep experts in-store, online, or by phone to find the right bed for you. Only at Mattress Firm, America's number one Tempur-Pedic retailer. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn. No Simon Provan this week. Simon is off for his second and final week of his summer excursion out in the wonderful state of Oregon. Uh, He's doing some acting and some other exciting things to further his career in the theater. So we miss you, Simon, and hope you are having a great time. And uh, we hope to have you back on the show next week. Uh, For those of you that tuned in last week, uh, my good friend Corey Plath was on the show and filled in for Simon and talked about the Women's World Cup and a whole host of controversial talking points, and he will join us uh, on the show in just a little while. We will also be joined by Vavil USA soccer editor um, Matthew Evans as well, so he will be talking MLS and giving us a bit of a recap of the crazy week that was MLS Rivalry Week and also look ahead to the new week uh, coming up in Major League Soccer. So we don't have any rivals on this show, thankfully. We all get along. Uh, And remember, you can get along with us as well on social media by liking us on Facebook at 2UpFront. That's the number 2, not T-W-O. And then you can also follow us on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer as well. So we are broadcasting live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, having a wonderful time, Uh, a bit in shock of everything. Excuse me. Uh, that happened with the semifinals of the Women's World Cup. Uh, like I said, we are very excited to talk about that. Let us know uh, your thoughts about anything we do uh, during the show. Twitter is the best way to interact with us. You can tweet at Baxter Colburn. That's B-A-X-T-E-R-C-O-L-B-U-R-N. That's me. Uh, you can get a hold of me that way. And you can also tweet at the show at 2 Soccer as well to let us know your opinions and your predictions for the upcoming Women's World Cup final on Sunday, so we are excited to talk about that and to move along with that. I would like to welcome in Corey Plath again for uh, his second week in the co-host chair. Corey, welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, no problem. We're glad to have you back. We uh, had a good time with you last week, and you you got a week under your belt now, so you're a little bit more familiar with the show and kind of get your. You've, have you have you found your broadcasting voice, Corey? Well, my dad joked that I was going to be next on ESPN. So. Ah, well, hey, that's, you know, you go from two up front to ESPN. It seems like the logical next step. So I can see where your dad gets that. It's a very seamless transition. It is. It really is. I mean, I, I start next week, so I'm, I'm looking forward to oh, it. Oh, well, congrats. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I wish. Uh, anyway, Corey, um, 
I know you said you're sure vaguely on Twitter, but do you do you know your Twitter handle off the top of your head? I do. I actually have it up right now. Oh, perfect. It's at C P L A T H ten. So at Cplath ten. Correct. Is what it is. So remember, you can hit us up on Twitter anytime during the show, even. Uh, tomorrow, when this show is officially uh, broadcasting on Sports Radio America, remember we are broadcast on Sports Radio America and SportsRadioAmerica.com on what's tomorrow Thursday on Thursdays. I know what day it is. Um, from I'm sorry, we're broadcast there on Fridays, not Thursdays. Uh, from three to six p.m. I don't. I, it's been a long week. It really has. Uh, it's Wednesday. It's Hump Day, and I'm already losing my mind. But anyway, from three to six p.m. Eastern on Sports Radio America. Remember, you can listen to us on demand anytime you want on Spreaker.com, and you can listen to us live on Live 365 and tune in, and then you can download our podcast on iTunes as well. So I, I don't know why. Like, it must be a long week, Corey, because I'm forgetting things. So Well, that US my, game was, USA game was pretty big, so maybe yes. that took up two days. Between the USA game and the sheer heartbreak of the England-Japan game, I completely just lost my mind. So... um I want to focus solely on the USA uh, – I'm sorry, on the Japan-England game uh, in this first segment uh, before we bring in Matthew Evans to talk Major League Soccer. So um, heartbreak in the worst possible way. Uh, Japan and England go back and forth. Uh, it's 1-1 going into the halftime break. Two penalty kick goals in the first half, which has not happened in quite some time. The Japan uh, penalty kick, uh, certainly deserving of the call, but when England got their penalty kick, there was a lot of acting on the part of the England player that went down. Nevertheless, penalty kick is converted. We go 1-1, and then in the 92nd minute, there is a, ter- a, from Japan's perspective, a terrific turn of events. From England's perspective, it literally felt like somebody reached inside their chest and pulled out their heart and stomped on it right there. Uh, an awful turn of events as Laura Bassett uh, accidentally tried to clear the ball. She had all the right intentions, but as she cleared the ball, she cleared it into the upper 90 of her own goal, and the goalkeeper could not stop it, thus pushing Japan through to the second straight Women's World Cup final, and they will take on the United States on Sunday. Wow. So, um, give us me, uh, give us me, yes, give us me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts, Corey, on this Japan-England game, a a game that England really seemed to control the pace of for most of the game, Uh, although Japan did have more possession. They had 62%, I'm sorry, they had 58% uh, possession to England's 42. Uh, England fouling 17 times to Japan's 9 uh, just what is your your takeaway from this game as a as a general takeaway? Well, it, it surprised me that England only had forty two percent of the possession. From what I saw, England was controlling the ball. They had a lot of opportunities to attack, and they were uh, getting good shots on those attacks and getting good looks. And then Japan Jin would just turn around and have a, a really good counter attack. And I have to say, even though that own goal. Um, by Bassett was uh, heartbreaking. You know, in a defender's perspective, you only have one option there. You see that ball whipping across the center. You have to get a foot on it at any means because you don't know what's behind you, mm-hmm. and you don't know it could be a very easy tap in for a Japan player. And so, and it almost was. I mean, yeah. realistically, 
um, there was opportunities for a Japan player to catch up to it. Um, so that's why, like you said, you have your back to the, uh, the offender coming behind you. You just want to try to clear it. Probably, she was, I'm assuming she was trying to just clear it over the goal, probably go for a corner kick. Um, but even still, it was just a bad turn of events uh, that you just you could see the agony in the England players as soon as that final whistle blew. Almost every single player just dropped to the ground in sheer heartbreak. Um, so Japan, though, uh, doing what they do well, um, not creating a lot of scoring opportunities, but taking advantage of the ones they do have. Uh, only seven total shots in the game, two on target, four off target. Uh, one was blocked. Uh, only one yellow card each uh, handed out to both sides. Uh, only three corner kicks for Japan, uh, but 18 free kicks. Um, I do find it a bit interesting that a team as not uh, that's vertically challenged uh, as Japan is manages to get a lot of free kicks and a lot of corner kicks. The free kick part, part of it makes sense because they're smaller, so they're getting pushed around a lot more. Um, but the small amount of corner kicks doesn't really surprise me in that regards. But Japan is also known as being a very good set-piece team. And uh, the U.S. saw that four years ago as Japan was able to execute several times. Right. And then sometimes it's not even about how tall you are. It's how bad you want the ball. You know, there's a lot of times where positioning actually beats height. And that, you know, that happens both offensively and defensively. And you just need to make sure that you're in the right position at the right time so that you can time your headers. You know, how many times have we seen Abby Wambach with as tall as she is mistime her header and then all of a sudden it goes wide over the net right down to the floor? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you got you got you got to have that that uh, timing on the on your jump. Oh yeah, I completely agree and it's height is not everything. I know for someone like me, I'm 6-1, I played forward, uh and I'm not a very good header of the ball. I can get up to it because I have the vertical for it and the height for it. But realistically, the art of heading a ball is something that has to be perfected. Uh, It's not as easy as people think it is. It's like, oh, you can jump up and just knock it in. Well, the amount of direction and timing and pace and that sliver of your head is the perfect spot to hit that ball on. It takes people years to perfect that. And that's something I've never been good at. I've never been. I would rather try to take an extra touch or two and try to shoot it and... Trap it with your trust. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more of a I was never that player that when there was a goal kick and I was in midfield, I would I never went up for a header. Just Right. I don't like it. It's just something I never did. And I don't know I scored a lot of goals throughout high school and um college and everything, but realistically how many goals I scored via headers, I could probably count on one hand. Just, I never did, but I played defense. Well, even still, you never tracked up though for corner kicks or set pieces. No, I was. Really? You were well, I was the. I was the, the last line of defense. They would send everybody else up and be like, "All right, Corey, you stay here." Yeah, basically uh, what it was. Well, our, our, at least for our high school team, it was we were the fast in the fastest in the conference, and so we did two things: we outran their outran their offense by any means necessary, whether it was offside calls or. We just would push up the line to midfield and ah. try to trap them. Um, but it, it, and when it came to corners, set pieces, we'd send at least one winger because we played a three flat. But uh, uh, we'd send at least one winger um, or, or um, sometimes even both. Hmm. And then just whoever stayed back, we just trusted them to make the play. It's like, hey, man, you got this. We're all going to just go up. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> yeah. it was – uh, for England, though, um, kind of reverting back to that, they um, 
did a good job of bringing everybody up, but they also tracked back well because England's defense, uh, I feel like, didn't get a lot of positive press or press in general over the tournament because they have done a good job of not conceding goals very in bunches and have done a good job of stepping up against top teams and making sure that they don't score. Now, if you can say anything good about England in this game defensively is that they didn't allow a goal and then run of play from a Japan player. Right. So, yes, there was a set-piece goal from a penalty kick, and there was an own goal. Aside from that, though, Japan was held to seven total shots in the game, only two on target. You can make some big positives for England in that regards. Right, and there's a lot of good things that England can take away from this game. You know, and it's all going to be in a negative context because of the penalty or, or that, uh, yeah, the penalty as well as the own goal. But England's defense played really well overall, and you know, just an overall well-rounded team and a very good against a very good Japan team. Yes, um, it it makes me upset because I was really hoping that it wouldn't be a USA Japan final again because this is the third year in a row. I'm sorry, third major tournament in a row that it will be a USA-Japan final. 2011, FIFA Women's World Cup, USA-Japan. 2012, Olympics, USA-Japan. 2015, FIFA Women's World Cup, USA-Japan. I'm a little bored of the USA-Japan storyline. Yes, I get it that the US and Japan are now tied 1-1 because uh, Japan beat them in the World Cup and USA got restitution, as it were, or got redemption. Uh, in the Olympics, but last I checked, I would rather take a World Cup trophy over an Olympic gold medal. That's just me personally. I do think Olympic gold medals have their place in sports history, but with something like the like the World Cup, I feel like it's very difficult, and you don't have the full strength of a team in the Olympics like you do for the World Cup. At this stage, at this stage, I would say I would agree with you that the World Cup is better. But yes. I feel like, and when I'm in the heart of the Olympics, it doesn't, and nothing else matters. I'm solely I, focused on on the I Olympics. I don't and, follow Olympic soccer very. Oh, you don't? I don't. I'd never have had a strong feeling for it for men's soccer. Oh, women's, okay. Women's soccer, yes, I I support the U.S. no matter when they're playing. But for the Olympics, because it has to be this U21 team basically with three over. What is it? Over thirty players? Three over? I think it's anything over over twenty over, over one. Over, yeah, you can have three over twenty-one players, and then everybody has to be U twenty-one. I don't understand the significance of that. I don't. I, I get trying to have the younger players on a national stage, on an international stage, trying to play well, giving them that experience and trying to showcase the best of your young talent. Um, but Aside from that, though, I don't understand the reasoning behind it, and I don't think I ever will. I just think that it's it's a prevention for these dream teams. So many times you see that, well, for instance, you take a look at, at basketball. Mm-hmm. The U.S., how many times have they won because they have all these all-star Which players? Which I think you should have to be able to do that. I think if you are sending your country to represent yourselves at the biggest international competition in the world you should be able to send your best players, not a bunch of teenagers and three really good players. Right, but I think it also puts um, so many other countries at a disadvantage. Well, basketball is a different game because the U.S. is the best country in the world when it comes to basketball. Right. It's For soccer, though, it's such a bigger market. Men's, I would disagree. Women's, I would agree. What, that, it's, that 
Different. Well, not not necessarily the bigger market, but the the competition. Well, yeah, well, competition men's wise, like if they had, if it was the same format for the normal World Cup that they do for the Olympics, I think people would be far more inclined to want to watch Olympic soccer. Well, I agree, but I guess the Olympics and don't the Olympics and the World Cup for men's go back to back? No, or, no, it's no, every it's, it's, every, it's every, it's, every other year. Yeah, because there's so this last World Cup was 2014. The Summer Olympics are 16. Right. But at the same accord, the Euros are also every two years after the World Cup. So the Euros will be taking place. So I don't remember when they take place, but I know that they'll be very close to in terms of when the Olympics are as well. So I can see the understanding of why you wouldn't want to have all of your best players there and then have to flip them around if you're a European nation and have to play an entire Euros championship as well. Um, but at the same time... Uh, I just feel like it should be equality for both. Either both the men's and the women's send everybody, or both the men's and the women's do U twenty one with three better, you know, over twenty one players. I I guess for me it makes it more exciting because then you get to see all these young talents that you don't normally you, get to yes. see. No, I, I definitely get that, and my I guess my response to that too is say just go watch the U twenty one World Cup because it's exactly the same thing. But how much is that televised? It's I not. guess it's the Fox Sports. Five basically does it. Fox Sports One and Fox Sports Two, I think, do some of it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I just feel like the Olympics are such a hallowed ground in terms of a sporting event that uh, players should be treating it with way more. Res- I, I think nations should be treating it with far more respect than they are, and I think they should be able to send more players than they do. The other thing is that would we be having this discussion if the U.S. would be making it? Because did, did the, the men it. even make it to the World Cup or to the Olympics? Because um, I don't think they did. No, they did not qualify for the Olympics this year. So if if the men because had a stronger... Because it was that U21 team. But every you got you can't you know compare apples to oranges if you know every country has this rule. It's not like they do, it's, yes. it's speci- specialized no, for the U.S. I understand that, and I think that also shows the lack of development at the international stage in the lower tiers for U.S. men's soccer as well. I agree. Yeah, but you know, it, if the U.S. was making these progression progressions towards these mm-hmm. th- this um this U twenty one teams that they should be, you would think. You would think. You know, would we be having this discussion if they're making it year after year after year? Mm-hmm. Well, every four years, I guess. Yeah. But realistically, yeah, I think because World Cup is, you know, so it's World Cup and then you have Olympics, Euros after two. Yeah. I'm, it's hard to really know uh, just kind of how this would whole shake down if it was the full squad instead of a U21 squad. But um, since we're getting into a huge debate, it makes only sense that we do our 50 50 segment right now. So, while the debating juices are flowing, why not? Uh, I believe you started last week, Corey? No, I started. You did. I started last week, uh, so you will be going first this week. For those of you that don't know, our 50-50 segment uh, runs, in fact, of how Corey and I will be presented with a topic. Uh, So, our topic this week uh, is in regards to the U.S. Women's National Team game that took place on Tuesday evening. Uh, and there was a controversial call during the World Cup about Julie Johnston, who was yellow carded uh, as she took down one of the Germany players. And 
the buzz around the soccer world is that the ref got it right, and the buzz around the soccer world is that the ref got it wrong, and Julie Johnson should have been red carded. So, Corey and I will be debating that. We each get 45 seconds to... 45 seconds 45 seconds. It's, it was 45 seconds last time. Oh, I thought it was 50. No, we get 45 and 45, which equals 90, which is a soccer match. That's right. I remember that. Note. We're not going into extra time. We're not going into that. No one's gotten hurt. None of that. Okay. Okay? Fine. So, Corey will lead off uh, with 45 seconds on the clock, sir. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. On your mark. Get set. Go. Well, I believe Julie Johnson should have gotten a red card. In the rule book, it states that if you're the last defender and you make commit a foul in an obvious goal-storing opportunity, that that's an automatic red. And I believe that that was indeed a, an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, and Julie Johnson took advantage of that situation. Yes, I'm a USA fan. Yes, I believe that that call did help the USA um, because Johnson was not taken off the field. But, in fact, I believe the ref got it wrong because of the fact that it was the last defender and it took advantage of a situation in which the U.S. then was able to capitalize on it. Fair enough. You even left a little bit of time there as well. All right, uh, 45 seconds uh, for me. Uh, ready and go. Now, uh, I understand what you're saying, Corey, about it should have been a red card. She was the last defender. But if you go back and look at the replay, you will notice that the German player, as she was taken down, was very easy, easily taken down. She understood the position. She understand where she was. Yes, there was an obvious reach from Julie Johnston. But at the same time, if you look at it from where the ref was, you can understand how it was only a yellow card offense because the German player was very soft with the way she went down and almost helped Johnston pull herself down too because as soon as Johnston touched the back of her, the German player started to go down as uh, Johnston was making contact with her. So in that regards, the ref got it right. It only should have been a yellow card and thankfully, Sausage was nice enough to miss the penalty kick as well. So um, that's my opinion about it. Time is up on that regard. So uh, let us know your thoughts, who you think uh, has the appropriate uh, argument for it, and if you think that Julie Johnston uh, deserved to get the yellow card, or if you think she should have been red carded and the U.S. should have played with 10 women and been without their key center back for the World Cup final. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Matthew Evans of Vavly USA will be joining us to talk about Major League Soccer and Rivalry Week and all the craziness that's happening with that. So don't go anywhere. This is Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn, joined this week by Corey Plath. Simon Provan, my usual and better half co-host, is off in the plains of Oregon doing things for uh, theater and other exciting things that he loves doing with his spare time. I don't know. He's not here talking about soccer with me, so honestly, he's dead to me, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with myself and Simon's not here. Now that you're not comparable, Corey, I appreciate you being here. Well, I, you know, I just have to wonder, is he hog-tying too, like Grant was? He's not hog-tying people like my co-host for the other show that I do um, on the Max and Grant Sports Show, which is also here on Sports Radio America on Monday nights from 7 to 10 Eastern. Uh, thankfully, though, Grant and Simon are not hog-tying each other. Grant is in North Dakota. Simon is in Oregon. Totally different. Cultures are totally different. Promise. But anyway, uh, the culture of Major League Soccer continues to change, and this last week we saw a lot of blowouts. We saw Rivalry Week really catch uh, fire, and we saw some games uh, surprise others. We saw some uh, not-too-surprise people, um, and we thought that it would be the best possible thing to do was to bring on Vavil USA soccer editor, uh, you've got so many titles, I, I lose track, Matt. What's the best way to do it, to address you? We'd like to welcome in Matthew Evans. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing absolutely wonderful, Baxter. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. I would go with uh, Vavil Soccer Guru. Vavil Soccer Guru. Does, is that like on your paycheck when you get paid? Is the, is the guru like italicized? Like how does that work? You know, I think that I'm going to negotiate that in my next uh, my next negotiations. You I, should. I should have that on my page. On your collective bargaining <laughs> agreements, you should say, I will not resign unless you give me the guru title. <laughs> I love I it. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Matt and Corey, I'm sure you've never met. So Matt, Corey, Corey, Matt, nice to make that introduction there. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you too, Corey. All right. Uh, Matt and I go way back, Corey, in case you didn't know. We've uh, we've been writing together on and off, Matt, for what, three years, something like that? Yeah, I well, it'll, I think it'll be two years. Let's see. We started, uh, you were working at Rant, right? I was. I was at Rant Sports. Then, well, it might yeah, have been two been years together. ago. It'll be, yeah, it'll, it'll be two years in October, I think, is when I started over there. Okay. And I was generally around that same time as well. So, wow, it's only been two years. So way back. Yeah. Way back, like two years ago, <laughs> way back. Like we feel it, We're like brothers basically, though. So, you know, we exactly, feel exactly. like we've been around together longer than we have. But anyway, um, Matt and I both share a passion for Major League Soccer. I know, Corey, you're sort of kind of working your way into a passion for it. Um, but um, this last week, Matt, was Major League Soccer Rivalry Week. Um so I want to hit on, obviously, all five rivalry games, um, starting with the game that happened on Wednesday night with Toronto FC and Montreal. Uh, Toronto going 3-1 to one on the impact, and Toronto FC really starting to look like they're making up that ground in the East and actually playing like the team that we all kind of thought they would actually be for once, which is a nice surprise, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree completely. Um, they uh, they're, they're finally starting to kind of hit their stride a little bit after after that win they had won three of their last four matches and it was good good to see all three of their designated players there in Michael Bradley Josie Altador and Giovinco get goals in there that's something that the fans have been wanting to see especially now that they've they've expanded their capacity they're getting more fans in there at least they're trying to get more fans in there but now they're starting to see the three of those guys combined, and they're starting to see the results on the field. Hopefully for them, that's something they can uh, they can continue to do over the course of the season. 
I would agree, yeah. Toronto sitting in third place right now in the Eastern Conference with 23 points right behind the New England Revolution with 24. And D.C. United is just kind of running away right now with 35 points. Now, uh, Matt, your Seattle Sounders are a team that uh, has had quite the week um, in that regards. They lose 1-0 Wednesday night to the Philadelphia Union, which was not a rivalry game, thankfully. I don't know why anybody would want a rivalry with Philly. It just sounds painful. Um, and then Sunday, uh, you took on Portland. The Sounders took on Portland, uh, at, uh, Providence Park and things did not go exactly as planned. Uh, would you say that's the nice way of putting it? Yeah, I would say that's the nice way of putting it. I would <laughs> say that for, 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 for us, it was more of, we just wanted to get out of there without any more injuries and hopefully not getting as embarrassed. If a point was coming, then that would be a plus. But I mean, you know, the Sounders right now are just in just, uh, there's so much going on with them with the injuries to Ovafemi Martins and Ozzy Alonso being out and, and Dempsey's suspension after the U S Open cup debacle. You know, the team is, is they're just piecing together lineups. I mean, we had, new signing Andy Craven in the 18, and he's just been with the team for about a day up to that point. So, you know, I mean, it was obviously not the result that we wanted, um, but I, I think that uh, over the course of the next month, we're going to see really what this team is made of. Now that we know Dempsey is going to be with the national team through July, mm-hmm. Oba's probably going to be out through July, so it's going to be on Lamar Nagel and Chad Barrett to step up and start, and, and even some of the young guys, maybe seeing Christian Roldan step up and Victor Manseret, Darwin Jones, you know, we need somebody to step up and fill that offensive void. No, I completely agree. With Dempsey being gone on the national team, obviously that's your number one striker. I, I'm forgetting why Obafemi Martins is gone. Is he injured or is he on international duty? He he got hurt in that U.S. Open Cup game. That's right. Uh, in the like late late in the second half, he it was an awkward challenge with Darlington Nagby, and no intent, no malintent on on Nagby's part. It was an innocent challenge, but he kind of I think it's an adductor strain, um, the same injury that that caught uh, took Jimmy Triore out for a while last oh, okay. year. Okay, but it's yeah. So it's been so so right now. There's no official timetable. But he did do some some uh, some on field work at practice today. He did do some running, so oh, it's good sign to see him out and actually training with the team. But I still think that he's got, he's pro, you know the 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 bet now um, among Seattle fans is who's going to return first, Obar or Dempsey. And right now, people are kind of leaning towards Dempsey with this injury to to Obafemi. Now, as someone that is a proclaimed Seattle Sounders fan, how was the reaction around the Cascadia region about the Dempsey? official suspension with his two years banned from the U.S. Open Cup or six games, whatever happens first, plus uh, a fine as well. Do you feel like that was an appropriate suspension for Dempsey, uh, or do you feel like that was a bit blown out of proportion? I feel it was, it was appropriate. It was absolutely appropriate. He should not have done what he did. Um, I can understand why he did it. Um, you know, talking to some friends around after the match, I, you know, they asked me, you know, what do you think? And I said, I would have done the exact same thing. I mean, it was just, it was at that point, it was ridiculous where, where the match was at. The referee had no point being, you know, no, no reason to be on the field there. But that's a point for another day. But I think that the, <laughs> uh, I think that the, uh, the, the suspension was warranted. Um, 
you know, it, that may may as well. There could have been the last match we see uh, Dempsey in the U.S. Open Cup, really, because by the time that he comes back, he'll be 33, and he really doesn't play in the Open Cup as it is. So, you know, No, that's that true. That's be, definitely not a tournament that we see him in very often, and when he is, like you said, he... Yeah, he, I've, I've heard mixed reviews about Dempsey, so especially when it comes to Open Cup play. Um, so realistically, the Sounders really not losing out too much yeah. in that regards. Yeah, maybe like when we get to, if we get to like semifinals or a final next year and the year after, but usually he's not around in the during the opening round, so it's really not going to be that big of an effect unless they get to the later rounds. Fair enough. Now. Um, Looking at the the weekend review as it was uh, across Major League Soccer, were there any games that really stood out to you in terms of major talking points that the public should be aware of? You know, I the, the team that's really really getting grabbing grasping a hold of my attention right now is the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, the Whitecaps are just they've uh, uh, you know it's right, they, the Whitecaps have won four of the last five. They're 12 points out of the last 15, and they're just, I, I, you know, the Whitecaps are a team to watch. I mean, the, the whole Western Conference is just nuts right now, just absolutely nuts. No, I would have to agree with you on that, and I think that Vancouver, um, before the season started, uh, was a team that I was telling a lot of people to keep an eye on, and I, I wouldn't say that I am a, a closet Vancouver fan, because if I had to pick a team in the West, I'm a Galaxy fan, sure, call me a bandwagon or whatever you need to say, um, but... I feel like Vancouver has the offense and the pizzazz, as it were, to really take out the Sounders. And obviously we're seeing that right now with Vancouver being at 32 points in first place. And then right behind them, though, is Seattle and Portland. But how great is, as a Cascadia fan as a whole, is it to see all three Cascadia teams 1-2-3? It's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. We, you know, we, we, we rib each other up here a lot uh, about, you know, I... You know, uh, raise your hand if your team won today or whatnot. <laughs> you know, it's 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 been really nice to see. You know, I'm obviously you know as a Sounder fan, I'd love to see Seattle up top. But you know, as, ever since taking on the writing role, you know, you kind of grow impartial a little bit and just try and you know keep your keep your your biases hidden. In the, yes. you know, for, with the league, but it is so great to see Vancouver, Portland, and Seattle playing great right now. I would just, I mean, as we're already going to be blessed with a Seattle-Vancouver CONCACAF Champions League series. It's going to be so cool to see these guys match up in the playoffs. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking forward to those games. No, I absolutely agree with you on that one. Galaxy Sporting and FC Dallas rounding up the top six. Uh, I am curious, I know we're kind of just jumping all over the place. I am curious to know your general thoughts, though, about the playoff field being expanded. So now six out of the ten teams in each conference will make the playoffs. Do you feel like they're just watering down the level of talent um, in terms of all the teams they get to make the playoffs? Or I feel like they did it more so for the Western Conference because there's so many good teams in the Western Conference, especially now that Houston and Sporting are in the West. Yeah, it's... uh, You know, I I don't like it right now. I will like this this playoff format when we get to 24. Uh, When it's 12 and 12 in each, and it's half the teams making it in. I'll be more, I'll be fine with it now. But as it is right now, 60% of the clubs are making the playoffs. You should pretty much now. Now we're getting to the point of of now we're going to give everybody participation medals. It's, it's getting to that point. Hmm. I really would have liked to have stuck with the with, with the the five team model, even going back to the four team model. But you know, I do think that 
that uh, because we do have the playoffs, and uh, you know, we're getting we're trying to keep as many people interested in it as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, for from a rating standpoint, and more games, then I'm okay with having the six teams in, and it's going to be an absolute barn burner in each of these conferences. Oh, agreed. You know, that they're both really tight right now, and you know, the teams that you thought were doing well are kind of struggling, and other teams are catching up, and it's just. It's going to be a dogfight to the end, and I am super excited for the last few few match days of the season. Yep, I would have to agree with you on that one, um, especially when you say teams that were doing well that aren't right now. FC Dallas is the first team that came to my mind. They started off the season incredibly hot and then somehow forgot how to play soccer consistently uh, and are lucky enough to have that sixth spot in the Western Conference right now. Um one other question before we let you go, Matt, in terms of general MLS news. Now that the British invasion has officially commenced, Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard are now officially training with the LA Galaxy and the uh, and New York City FC. How do you feel that they will impact their respective clubs for the second half of the season? You know, I think that... Uh, um, it's a, that's a really good question. I think that... Uh, Gerard's probably going to have a little bit more of an impact than Lampard will. Mm-hmm, um, I agree. Just in 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 the sense that right now, you know, the Galaxy are going to need him to come in and really step up. I mean, obviously Lampard's going to be needed to step up uh, well with NYCFC, but you know, the Galaxy are kind of starting to hit their stride. I mean, they scored five goals twice last week, or, you know, in the last three games. They're they're starting to kind of gel offensively, and it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic changes when Gerard gets down. Who's going to be the guy that's pulled out and put on the bench? You know, Bruce Arena is going to have a huge decision on his hands because, you know, now he's got this, this absolute superstar coming in and they're start, the Galaxy are kind of starting to build that chemistry, you know, but you, you tinker with chemistry and then you can totally blow up in your face. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree with you on that one. And it's funny, it was a week of contrast for the Galaxy as well as they win 5-0 on the Portland Timbers earlier in the week, and then they lose 3-1 to the San Jose Earthquakes uh, during their rivalry game. So it's the beauty of soccer, as it were, Matt, how it's never a dull moment, and uh, anything can happen on any given day, am I right? Yeah, as we saw in that uh, that Japan-England game today, anything can happen any t- any moment. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Where can people find you on Twitter, sir? Uh, they can find me at uh, Tenorman85. Um, that's my personal account. I tweet all of my stuff out from there. And Yeah, just uh, give me a follow, and I'll uh, gladly love to talk soccer with you guys. Fantastic. Well, Matthew Evans is the soccer guru, as it were, for Vavil USA. Go check out his writing there along with all the other MLS content that they have there. Great group of writers, great content, exciting things to talk about. So, Matt, thanks again for stopping by. We appreciate it, sir, and uh, we'll be chatting with you again in the future. Sounds good, Dexter. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, uh, special guest Sonia Kondratenko will be stopping by to talk about the U.S. Open Cup. It was in action tonight, still going on a few games. Uh, She's going to talk about the New York Red Bulls, New York Cosmos game tonight uh, that took place. So we're going to have her on shortly. So don't go anywhere. This is Two Up Front presented by Sports Radio America.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn, joined this week by Corey Plath. Uh, he is stepping into the co-host seat uh, instead of Simon Provan, who is out in Oregon or Oregon or however you say it. I don't know. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Do you do you have a preference, Corey? How you say it? I've always pronounced it Oregon. Oregon, but but you say it fast enough though, like Oregon. Yeah, what? well, was that was that, see, was that an O or an I or how 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 does it work? Probably a U. You can buy all the all the letters of the vowel. I like to buy a vowel yeah. uh, to pronounce or or again or a gone or a goon or a gun. I'm go. not sure. I don't know. I Just don't know say anything. Just fast enough, and you, no one knows. Usually, that's the best way to do it. All right. Well, uh, something that a lot of people usually forget about or don't know a lot about, Corey, is the uh, Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup uh, tournament is taking place right now. It is where the uh, smaller clubs throughout the United States get a chance to fight against MLS clubs and see who is the best club in soccer, as it were, in America. Now, uh, our good friend, uh, social media manager of Howler Magazine, Sonia Kondratenko, had the opportunity to be at the New York Red Bulls, New York Cosmos game tonight. Uh, and it turned out to be uh, a bit of a barn burner. Five total goals scored in the game, uh, four going in favor of the Red Bulls. Uh, it was definitely a battle of New York, as it were, Sonia, but the Red Bulls proving once again that they are the best team in town. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. There have been quite a few battles of New York lately, though. No, I, I agree, especially with the uh, NYCFC <laughs> Red Bulls game that took place on Sunday. Uh, New York going 3-1 in that game as well uh, in Yankee yeah. Stadium, which was it was weird. That was the first time I had an opportunity to watch a game in Yankee Stadium, and I was so confused and so disorganized. Even though I knew I was watching a it's, soccer game, I just like this. This just doesn't seem right. I just I couldn't watch it. That's my thing. It's very distracting in real life. I've been to quite a few um, games at Yankee, but I like you know I just want to like look at everything that they had to do in order to make it uh, like a soccer field. Mm-hmm. I look. I get really distracted. I just feel like it's problem. way too much going on. I feel like it's overstimulating, it is, and you're just like I. And, Unfortunately, from some seats, you kind of you see the net. You see there's like wires. There's a little bit of an obstructed view, which is not you know the greatest thing in the world. No, no, I, I certainly agree with that. But uh, so Sonia, from a I, obviously, I'm sure you're doing a lot of social media things tonight for the game and some a lot of Snapchat. You're very uh, <laughs> yeah. full of snappy. Night, you're so. a very you're a snapper. Do you ever does your you ever get tired of snapping? You you snap so much. Um, I feel like. I mean, I, I normally only snap. I have these big snaps for these games, but there's been so many games. There's been three New York derbies in the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, with all the other regular madness that I'm involved with, uh, regular MLS, et cetera, it's been kind of nonstop snapping. So I'm okay with it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. If you're a social media manager of a acclaimed soccer magazine, I'd hope that you would be relatively okay with being on your phone all day. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I like to be able to take people on my journey because, you know, I have a lot of, like, people follow me, Red Bulls fans, Cosmos fans, NYCFC fans that maybe aren't actually in New York, can't go to the game, can't get off work, but they can follow along with me, they can be part of my day, and Mm -hmm. I get to, you know, do a little bit of behind-the-scenes things, so I like to show that from my perspective. Well, I, I'm sure a lot of people appreciate that. I know I certainly do. It's like, hmm, I wonder what Sony's up today. All right, to Snapchat. <laughs> and then I follow and see what's going on. I'm like, oh, look at that. That was cool. And I'm like, oh, she was at that yeah. game? That's not even fair. Um, <laughs> so I, I live vicariously through you, Sonia, and the MLS viewing that you go to. So I, I appreciate yeah, that. I'm well, sure many thousand people. Good, 
I would say stay tuned for Friday because I might be going to Nashville for a specific national team game that might oh, be happening. <laughs> that might be happening. Is there a chance it won't be happening? <laughs> I mean, it's totally happening. Yes, of course. You're obviously speaking about the United States and Guatemala friendly that's taking place on Friday. The last game for the uh, before the Gold Cup, which will start uh, next week. Uh, and I, I know the U.S. is obviously favored, as they normally are, to get to the final to more than likely play Mexico or Costa Rica. But news coming out uh, just today, actually, that Chicharito will not be on the Mexican squad. Uh, suffered an injury, which no. is unfortunate. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening with that, if that is detrimental to Mexico or El Tre, as it were. But uh, So, Sonia, uh, not trying to get too far out of topic, though, with us, all of the... Open Cup matches that have been taking place. Uh, a bit of a beatdown tonight, as we saw Sporting Kansas City go 6-2 to two on FC Dallas. Dom Dwyer proving that he is one of the best, if not the best, forwards in the league, and that he is horrifically uh, underappreciated. Um, do you share the same sentiments about Dom Dwyer, or do you feel like he's just kind of an average player? Oh, man, I mean, that's a good question. First and foremost, though, I think that we had a four uh, four goals for the New York Rebels here and the six over with Kansas City. And MLS kind of gets this rep. You know, they, they say MLS stands for mostly low scoring, but <laughs> games are kind of proving otherwise. And, then, you know, and you want to debate, oh, like, you know, they play the Cosmos, so some people are like, but that's a step down. I, I mean, yes and no. Exactly. I mean, and, but there have been some good, exciting games, except for last night. My beloved DC United fell to the Union in a hard huh. way. If there's two teams that I hate more than anything, it's the Union and the D- and DC United. And I would have rather had DC United win that game because I just despise the Union with all my being. Yeah. Absolutely despise them. And when I found that Philly I mean, won, I just we were up a goal and they were down a man, and I don't even know. I just. That's soccer. That is soccer. <laughs> You're one bad volley away from an own goal that makes you lose a World Cup game or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm happy that the Chicago Fire beat the Charlotte Independents, though, because the Independents somehow managed to beat the New England Revolution, uh, and I was not uh, thrilled by that at all. But that's just kind <laughs> of the way the Revolution season's going right now, though, in all honesty. So, mm-hmm. sure, take it for what it is, I guess. So... Um, of the U.S. Open Cup, I know that you have followed the entire tournament, especially more so that East Coast side of things. Would you say that um, the Red Bulls are one of the front runners now that a lot of these other MLS teams are starting to get knocked out? I mean, they're looking really good, and I know that a lot of people were kind of worried because, and same with DC, these teams have been playing, you know, three games in eight days, three games in eight days, over and over and over again, Open Cup. And then back to MLS and then back to Open Cup and MLS and MLS and traveling here and traveling there. And, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be in really good shape. It's hard enough to, you know, lug around camera equipment sometimes and photograph these games yeah. in the heat. And so for these players to just be constantly going and going and going, it's kind of amazing. Um, no, the Red Bulls are, are looking good, so... We'll Do you see think... what happens against the Union. Yeah, that's so it's next round. New York Red Bulls will take on the Philadelphia Union in the quarterfinals. Uh, Orlando City will take on the Chicago Fire uh, as well on the left side of the bracket, as it were. Sporting KC 
Um, who do they play? Houston or Colorado? I'm spacing right now. They play Houston. Oh, Houston, yeah. And then Real Salt Lake Portland is going on right now. Same with San Jose, L.A., although L.A. is up 1-0 right now thanks to a Jose Villarreal goal. They are in the 20th minute in that game. So, uh, yeah. Would it, is it too far-fetched to say that a Red Bulls SKC final is out of reach? Exactly, especially with how Spotty the Galaxy have been playing. Yeah, well, and I know, like, I was in, I was in Philly at a Union game last week against the Sounders, and those Philly fans are gunning. They would love to see another Philly run for the Cup. (laughs) Um, They're really getting their stuff on it. (laughs) I'm sorry, I need to put my bias away. My my hatred for Philly away. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, if it works out for them, great. But, you know, I wouldn't be sad if they lost either. <laughs> I know. I think I think you should come down here, come back to the East Coast. Okay. And July 11th, the Union are going to play the Timbers at home. There's going to be fireworks after the game. Ooh. And then you can buy, like, a special ticket to sleep on the pitch. What? Bring a sleeping bag. Bring a tent. They're going to play a movie on the Jumbotron. They're going to feed you in the morning. And then you get to have, like, a little morning warm-up wake-up call with the Philadelphia Union's trainer. Wow. This is all at so PPL Park, right? Yeah. Wow. Philly's doing it right. You never hear about mm-hmm. any other MLS teams doing that. What kind of crap is this? I know. I mean, it's kind of cool. Although yeah. the pitch is it's kind of a pile of mud right now, but yeah. yeah, especially if it's <laughs> they like have a couple weeks. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll see, I guess what happens, but, um, any other final thoughts for us, Sonia? I know you're probably exhausted after a busy night of social I mean, media. I love, I love the open cup. I, you know, as it gets later on into this tournament, the games are farther and farther apart. And mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's, I, I mean, I'm a big open cup fan and a lot of people don't realize, it's happening or even know what it is. Yeah. But tonight, I mean, good crowd came out. A lot of Cosmos fans, a lot of Red Bull fans, and uh, it was exciting. It was very exciting. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate your time, Sonia. Uh, where can people find you on social media? I am at Sonia Karate, S-O-N-Y-A-K-A-R-A-T-E, on all social media, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. Come and find me. Come say hi. Fantastic. All right, Sonia Konyotenko is the social media manager for Howler Magazine and also the photographer for the Baltimore Bohemians, correct? Yes. All right. Sonia, always a pleasure. Get some rest. You sound a little tired. Uh, Get some rest for us, and uh, we'll look forward to your snapping adventures in the upcoming days. Thank you for having me. Have a good night, guys. You're welcome. Thank you much. All right, we're going to go to one more break when we come back. Corey Plath and I are going to chat a little bit more about the U.S. and look ahead to the World Cup on Sunday for the final and offer the I Believe segment, and then we will be on our way for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. I'm Baxter Colburn, joined this week by Corey Plath. As we continue to discuss uh, World Cup, we have been talking about the FIFA Women's World Cup. We also had Matthew Evans, the... What, it, what, what was he, Corey? He is the... Soccer guru. Soccer guru of Vavil USA. Uh, he is a writer. A writer. That's the mixture between an editor and a writer. He is a writer. He is an editor and a writer. English is amazing. I love it, especially when I don't know how to speak. This is obviously the problem with recording your show late at night. Yeah. And a long week, too. Yeah. It's only Wednesday. It's, yeah. Good Lord. Tomorrow's Thursday. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And then we just had social media manager for Howler Magazine, Sonia Kondratenko, join us. Uh, she talked about the U.S. Open Cup and a lot of different excitement going along with that as well. So uh, in our last segment here, Corey, we are going to revisit the FIFA Women's World Cup semifinals as the United States of America defeated Germany, the machine as it were, uh, in a 2-0 victory in the semifinals. Goals coming in the 69th minute from Carly Lloyd on a penalty kick and Kelly O'Hara in the 84th minute as well. So, you were there. You watched the game, Corey. Not there, there. You weren't actually. I wish I was there. You weren't in Montreal, as it were, but you were there with me last night watching the game. What did you think? Wow. So many, I mean, there were so many emotions going through me during the entire game. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was surprising to see the U.S. come out in a 4-5-1. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe it would be a 4-4-2 like they've done all tournament long. I thought maybe if they were gutsy, they'd go to a 4-3-3. But as I reflected more on it, I well, initial thoughts were that was a bad decision by the coach because that's normally your 4-5-1 formation is let's play for a tie or maybe we can just um, outrun them. But then as I thought about it more, that's the perfect way to control the midfield and that's where Germany gets a lot of its powers. And that's where their leading scorers were, well, at least one of them. Um, and so by controlling the midfield, the U S controlled the game. I mean, even though they didn't, I believe they, they almost got them in possession. Possession. It was Germany 51, 49, uh, not much to separate the two teams. I think Germany obviously towards the end had more possession because they were trying to score goals, which makes rightfully sense why they had more possession at the end of the day. Now looking at this game though, Germany, 15 total shots in the game, one, on target. Only one. And that speaks volumes for the defense it in the does. midfield. But this is the Germany team, Corey, that is the leading scoring team at the World Cup with 20 goals. Oh, shut up. And how many of them were against Ivory Ten. Coast? They scored 10 goals in one game. Yeah. I have had enough <laughs> of these BS storylines from national media that's like, wow, Germany is so good. Anybody that scores 10 goals in a game against one of the worst teams at the tournament is going to have more than likely the most goals in a tournament. Right. I, it gets sent. It's kind of like, and this is another rant that I'm going on, the argument where everyone's like, viewership for the World Cup is through the roof. You know why, Corey? No. Take, take me on this journey. Because it's on Fox, which is a local channel nationwide. Oh, well, I didn't it's think about a that. miracle when you put a nationally televised game on a local TV station. Everybody will watch it, Corey. Well, Not well. everybody has Fox Sports 1 or ESPN or ESPN 2 or ESPN Deportes or Telemundo or any of that other crap. When you put a game 
on Fox or ABC or NBC or CBS, people will watch. And it's growing in popularity. And it's growing in popularity. So that's why when everyone's like, the U.S. is not a very big soccer nation, but the, the numbers right now are through the roof because everybody's watching the game and supporting. Yes, keep putting the games on local channels like that. And the other stations are scheduling reruns just so yes. that they can you know, t- pay attention to these yep, games. Exactly. You don't... Uh, it just it bothers me the way that people make this argument saying, wow, viewership is so high. Well, yeah. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. That's what happens when you put a game on a regular TV affiliate. If this tournament was all on ESPN or ESPN2, I guarantee you the numbers would be significantly lower. I'd bet half. Probably. Even for the first game, when I found out that the first World Cup game, like the group stage game, was on Fox Sports 1. I'm like, are you kidding? This entire tournament's going to be on Fox Sports 1. I have to live stream it from a friend's account online in hopes that I actually get good service to watch it. And then they said the rest of the games are on Fox. I'm like, okay, good. Then I can watch this tournament. And I have been able to and support that. And that's why this was a smart move by the U.S. Soccer Federation, by FIFA, by everybody to put this tournament, especially with women's soccer trying to grow internationally, putting it on a local affiliate has helped now this growth of women's soccer nationwide and internationally massively yeah. absolutely yeah and i thought production so far has been very good yeah i know like for there was a lot of complaints when fox got the u.s open for golf and they they you know, i know you probably don't know much about this but well, people I know, were yeah. complaining a ton about how bad the production was and how there was so much talk on going on and not much uh showing the how are the golfers and and what they do, what they're doing on the course, but uh, the production so far is just—it's been really. Good I thought from... Fox has done a great job. They're bringing in the best commentators. They have J.P. Della Camera, who is arguably the best voice for U.S. soccer, aside from—I'm um, spacing on his name right now—the um, guy that did all the men's World Cup games, the British guy. Oh. Um, oh my gosh. Ian. Ian Bennett? No, not Ian. Ian, um, uh... Ian Drake. Yeah. Yeah. So aside from Ian Drake and J.P. De La Camera and Taylor Twellman and Cat Whitehill and all these other people, if I know we're not really talking much about the USA game. Okay, USA beat Germany. There we go. We'll leave it at that for now. There's other little things that I need to get off my chest right now. <laughs> um, if there's one thing that does bother me about these broadcasts, though, is the threesome that is J.P. De La Camera, Cat uh, Whitehill, and Tony DeSicchio, or I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. He's a former U.S. national team coach. And every time that Cat Whitehill makes a comment about anything or whatever it is, Tony usually has a rebuttal or way of trying to make her not look smart about the comment. And it's so annoying because Cat will be like, wow, that was a great play. It was a good move tactically. That was great, this, that, the other. And Tony's like, yeah, I don't really think I agree with that. And I really feel like they should have done better with this. And I'm like, first of all, this is awful TV if you have commentators basically bickering the entire game. Yeah. And then JP's just like, and there's a pass for Carly, and oh, look, a goal. Like, he's just doing his normal bit. But to have the two co-commentators just basically yelling at each other, not com- not the entire tournament, but there have been slews of games where all they do is contradict each other and almost have a joust on the air yeah, professionally. I'd, I'd rather just have one color commentator. Yeah. I think it works ten times better if you only have one. I agree. Because if you have two and they do have that different Clashing opinion, personalities. You're going to have so many opinions. viewers that just turn off. I, if it was not the U.S. soccer like tournament in terms of how well they were doing, I would have stopped watching a long time ago because I can't stand 
can't stand that that trio of commentators. To be quite honest, I normally just tune out the commentators, and I'm just so focused on what's going on at the game that it, it's just background noise to me. Well, and that's the difference between us as well, because I'm more of the broadcaster, you're more of the tactical analytics right. kind of guy, which makes total sense, but I listen to everything the broadcasters say, because I'm trying to learn and perfect my craft and this, that, and the other. Right. And I, I'm, I obviously respect these broadcasters, but I just feel like from a viewership standpoint... When you have two co-commentators basically dissing each other the whole time and undermining each other the whole time, that's horrible broadcasting. That's horrible TV. It is. And I feel like it's horribly unprofessional. It is. It is very unprofessional. Goodness. Yeah, I know. Both of us. Both of us. Both of us, Corey. But I feel like there's not much more to say. Uh, USA beating Germany 2-0. They will play Japan in a rematch of the 2011 uh, FIFA Women's World Cup final this coming Sunday. Coverage starts on Fox at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will not offer our predictions because we are both massive USA fans, so I feel like our predictions are probably the same unless I'm wrong about that. Scoreline different, same outcome. Scoreline is usually different between the two of us. Neither um, one of us turn out to be right. No. No, we, we were not right in either of the games that happened for the semifinals, unfortunately, in terms of scoreline. We were right, right about the teams that won. We weren't right. Uh, I picked... Oh, well, we both picked England, but we were like, we know Japan's Wait, no, I, I picked Japan, but I also... I picked, I picked Australia to go all the way. Which I wanted Australia to go. They were 87th minute. My I know. goodness. I know. 92nd minute today for yeah. England. It's been a crazy tournament. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. All right, Corey. Well, before we go... It is time for our favorite segment. Now, if you haven't gathered, it's our I Believe segment. That's how I always feel like I need to explain that because some people are like, why are we playing this? The, the song of our people. Well, we're playing it because we have an I Believe segment. And the way that works is that Corey and I offer a, a statement about uh, something we believe. So, for an example, I believe that Major League Soccer will continue to grow and blah, 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 blah. Things of that nature. But, uh, Corey, I will let you go first, and then I will wrap it up. So, uh, after you, sir. Well, um, I know you said that we weren't going to offer predictions, so I won't offer a prediction. But I believe that uh, Alex Morgan will continue her comeback and score a goal in this game. Ooh, in the World Cup Final. In the World Cup Final. All right. Well, I am going to – it might sound a little weird on everybody else's end, but I'm going to do this one more time. I believe that the United States of America is going to win on Sunday. We are going to finally defeat Japan, and we are going to be victorious at the FIFA Women's World Cup. Corey, do you agree with me? I agree. Woo! You know what? Let's make this interesting. Please. Scoreline. Scoreline, 2-1 to one, USA. I have one. I have one to one going into overtime oh, with the U.S. Don't one, even. One. Don't even. I hate overtime with Japan. It's the worst possible idea. Well, it's the worst, but I believe the U.S. are going to come out. All right. Well, this has been another exciting edition of Two Up Front, presented by Sports Radio America. Remember... Now you can find us on Facebook at 2UpFront, and then you can also t- find us on Twitter as well at 2UpFrontSoccer. Uh, you can file, follow Corey at Cplath10. Uh, you can follow Simon Provan, the other co-host, at Simon Provan. And then you can follow myself, Baxter Colburn, at Baxter Colburn. Pretty simple for you. Try to keep it easy. Let us know your thoughts about anything we talked about today. Huge thank you to social media manager of Howler Magazine, Sonia Kondratenko, and... Vavil USA's soccer guru, editor Matthew Evans for joining us as well. He's Corey Plath. Simon Provan is in the plains of Oregon, but he is Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn. USA Japan, Sunday. Be there. 
Do you believe that they will win? I know I do. I know Corey does. I know Simon does. For all of us here at Two Up Front Soccer, we are managed by the one above, but we are Two Up Front. Have a wonderful day and go USA! What's your emergency? God, there's a train that just hit a car. Sir, what is your location? Uh, uh, Look uh, around for a street sign, sir. It's 8th and Orchard. 8th and Orchard. Okay, very good. 8th and Orchard. Sir, help is on the way. Why would he do that? The train still doesn't stop. You have to get there now. At a railway crossing, even if the engineer sees you and hits the brakes, it can take a mile for the train to stop. And for you, that's too late. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. ba 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 ba